Hi guys, hi. House of the Dragon, episode four. I've been slightly uh, charmed and I've escaped to Middle-earth, but now we're back in Westeros. And uh, House of the Dragon, episode three, which as I say, Nadia is watching. Though she said, how do you know who's doing what with who and who's doing what to who? And why is the crab feeder there? And what is he and why does he? I have to confess the crab feeder is an enigma to me. So if you could clarify. Anyway, let, let's talk about the show. So as in good Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon uh, fashion, um, a distinct lack of sex, uh, a, a massive reduction on brothels. I don't know whether that's because Matt Smith was saying, do we really have to have another sex scene? I think it's good. It's kind of inferred. There's a lot of inferences of um, incest uh, suggestions and kind of intimacies between wrong aged people and what have you. I mean, obviously it's not promoting it. And obviously this is an aspect of the world that George R. R. Martin created, especially and specifically to the Targaryens. But anyway, anyway, this started with a nail through a hand. And we saw it go through the wood. Always good. Always a good start. I mean, you can't go wrong really there. And we were back on the beach. We were back at the steps, uh, the step stones or whatever they're called. Um, and, you know, crabs eating men. And I thought the crabs were really, really in your face kind of stuff, weren't they? You know, you sort of you, you sort of nail someone to a wooden sort of piece of timber and then you unleash crabs on them or let the crabs eat them. The crab feeder, because he feeds the crabs. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory. Anyway, um, this is the arena, the, the, the step stones where demon or daemon, demon Targaryen, uh, Matt Smith, uh, needs to kind of prove himself. He needs to make himself seem invaluable. We've got sibling rivalry threaded through all of this. It's like these conflicts are happening in order to, well, I mean, in a sense, the crab feeder isn't a goodie, but he isn't a goodie because he, I guess, poses a threat to a, a tiny aspect of the king's uh, empire, in a sense. Um, so, nail through the hand, dragon swoops in. Uh, we discover that Demon Targaryen, um, Matt Smith, is pushing his troops a little bit too fast, so the morale is low. Uh, the king, meanwhile, we've jumped forward in time, and Paddy Considine's had a son. Uh, it looks like a mini Boris Johnson. Does anyone else think that? It's like a little mini Boris. Uh, Egan. Egan the son. And of course, I was oscillating between thinking, well, presumably, you know, the way it is, this boy is now going to be the heir to the throne. But but no, it transpires that, in fact, uh, Paddy Constantine is sticking with his decision of, of making Rhaenyra uh, the next in line to the throne. An aspect that is a bit confusing, uh, me and Nadia sort of mentioned this whilst watching it, is how has Paddy Constantine gone from letting his wife and baby die in pursuit of a son to giving the, handing the sort of mantle of, of, of authority over to his daughter, Renera, and then he gets a son with uh, his new wife. He's gone for the daughter of Recifens, Otto. He gets a son, but he still doesn't think. So I think that's a little bit of a kind of character arc that we need to have kind of got round. He, he hasn't been tempted, even though everyone in his court is suggesting he should, and the pressure is on him, and precedent is normally that it's a male heir to the throne. I thought one of the set pieces in this in this episode was the battle, was the huge battle and, and, and well, I think there were two battles, weren't there, uh, on the beach, on the step stones uh, against Crab crab Feeder. Um, as, you know, this, this as I said, this is a vanity play for Matt Smith. 
Um, and this is about him kind of essentially establishing himself as a, you know, as a kind of, uh, you know, a, a reputable and, and, and potential heir to the throne, because presumably, you know, any minute now, it feels like Paddy Constantine's going to go, because as they prepare for this hunt, they prepare for this hunt, um, Paddy Constantine's not looking particularly solid, is he? And we know he's got these welts, and we know he's got maggots in his fingers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, I don't think he's long for this world. Um, so they all head off on a hunt, and a hunt in this instance, unlike in the original Game of Thrones, which upset, apparently, George R. R. Martin, the fact that it was sort of three people heading into a wood for a hunt in, in the first series. This is a medieval hunt. This is hundreds of, of squires and, and, you know, knaves. And there's it's like a festival. It's like Glastonbury. It's like, you know, hundreds of soldiers go along. Um, and the king is in a tent and essentially they track where the quarry is, where the, the hunt needs to go. And once they've got it, they'll get the king in and the king will spear it. Uh, and he'll be, wee, I'm a king and all that kind of stuff, all that kind of malarkey. But as I say, Paddy Constantine is, is struggling and he's, he's becoming a little bit irrational, isn't he? He's sort of, he's shouting at Renee in front of everyone, everyone at the kind of banquet and in, in, and in the sort of court are sort of staring and kind of wondering what the hell's going on. Uh, we do get introduced to a Lannister, Jason Lannister. He, he's a bit of a bit of a moron really and, and, and there's a lot of talk around trying to sort of pair up Rhaenyra with a likely or possible partner, you know, sort of, you know, marry her off and all this kind of stuff. And so she goes nuts and the king says you've got to find one, find a partner. And, you know, Jane, uh, Jason Lannister, obviously uh, the Lannister line and all that kind of stuff. Otto, uh, Reese says, a white heart has been seen in the woods. This is a sign. This is a sign that Egan, because don't forget, Egan is Otto's, Reese Evans' grandson. So he has direct kind of, he could, he could get his hands on the crown, if not directly, but through his son. Ah. So what does Reese Evans suggest to Paddy Constantine? He suggests that Rhaenyra should marry her brother, Egan, who's two marry a two-year-old very very old Nadia looked horrified at this but I just said that's just the way it rolls in Targary Targaryen culture it's just that that's a fair enough suggestion the the white heart uh, was being sold to Paddy Constantine as this is a sign this is a sign that Egan is the heir and there's all sorts of superstitions here and you know it's got to be seen as a symbol and all this kind of stuff but they can't get the white heart they don't get the white heart there's a suggestion uh, no, I'm wondering whether Otto shipped the white heart in was the white heart actually there was this set up Renera, meanwhile, rides off. She just rides off in another strop. She's having lots of strops and she heads off into the woods and her, her knight uh, heads off after her and he kind of grabs her and I wonder if a romance is going to develop there. Is there going to be a bit of a romance going to develop between her knight and, and Renera there? Uh, a boar tries to attack Renera. She kills it, but she doesn't just kill it. She stabs it repeatedly in a sort of savage, uncontrolled attack. Uh, and they and they bring that back. And of course, when she returns to the hunting sort of festival, she's covered in blood. Uh, we see a new Rhaenyra. We, you know, I'm, I'm also slightly concerned because the actress who plays Rhaenyra is so sensationally good. Though, as Nadia said, has anyone else thought that she looks like Gemma Owen? Michael Owen's daughter from Love Island. Incredibly similar face, mouth, and the rest of it. The king is sitting in his in his counting house. No, counting all. No, I'm joking. And the king is sitting in his throne in this sort of festival. He's troubled. He's having all sorts of anxiety. He's stumbling around a bit. He goes and kills the stag, as I said. Doesn't look 
doesn't look firm on his feet and the fissures are creeping in. And I, I hate to say it, I think we're going to lose the actress who plays Rhaenyra and we're going to lose, quite literally, the king, Paddy Considine, quite early on. Um, meanwhile, he sends a message to his brother, Matt Smith, out on the, ste on the stepping stones or whatever. They're stepping stones? What are they? The stone steps uh, fighting crab feeder. And he says, I'll say, here's my troops. I'll send you all the troops and they'll support you. And, you know, as a, as a sort of suggestion of generosity. I mean, Paddy Constantine, at the end of the day, Paddy Constantine's a good guy. You know, he's a decent guy. He's a, you know, he, he even kind of settles back and says to Renera, OK, darling, you find a guy that suits you and I'll support you. I mean, he, he rolls back a lot. And in a sense, that's what Matt Smith can't stand about him. He doesn't, he's not kingly. He's too kind of lily-livered and he kind of contradicts and, you know, repeals feelings and suggestions that he's made before and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he sends his troops, but uh, Demon Targaryen, he, fuck that shit. Matt Smith smashes the, the messenger in the head. Talk about shoot the messenger. He smashes the messenger with his, with his beautiful, fantastic helmet, his, his armour, visor. Bam, bam, bam. Doesn't kill him. I thought he could have killed him. In Game of Thrones, I think you would have killed him. And essentially he rejects that. And then he goes off. He goes off after crab feeder on his own. He literally runs through the battlefield. Arrows raining down on him. And I have to confess that whilst this was quite interesting i was getting butch cassidy and the sundance kid vibes because he kind of he gets hit by three arrows eventually and then he has to hole up under a sort of wagon a sort of derelict wagon didn't believe it didn't believe it even within this world didn't believe it um and you know the crab feeder who has been was incredibly enigmatic up until this point these brilliant glancing sort of profile shots of him with this sort of crabby stuff and sort of raw burnt skin and salty skin you know he's brilliant brilliant makeup brilliant design all that kind of stuff didn't say a thing but there are a couple of moments where when he got his troops to chase after matt, matt smith on the battlefield he'll do this oh, it looked like he could crick isn't it and go I thought who he was telling to go, I think he needed something, I think we needed a giant crab, if I'm honest. I think we needed something giant crab-like and non-human, because the soldiers who came running out, you thought, well, they're going to get chopped up to pieces, aren't they? Meanwhile, the soldiers come in, they rescue Matt Smith, Matt Smith survives and tell another tale, and, you know, therein lies the problem. He's, he's essentially established his credentials. And this is going to throw all sorts of problems up for Paddy Considine and the rest of the court. Demon Targaryen has got rid of the crab feeder, who's not a major villain, but it shows that he's he's capable. He's capable and he's brave. And, you know, the valour of running across a battlefield on your own, being struck by arrows and you're still you're victorious. That was Matt Smith's moment. So I think things are ratcheting up. Great episode three. I think of the three episodes, it might have been my least favourite, if I'm really honest. I maybe missed Matt Smith. I needed a bit more Matt Smith acting rather than him running across the field.